Welcome, listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. It's all like getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this, easy, this evening, I'm sorry, is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash Time for an awakening again. That's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's a b i b i t u m i dot com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And then that tune in search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune in app. Drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Again, that's time for an awakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook and that Facebook search engine, just type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening marketplace and our partnership with the bb 2 Me. It's always interesting things in the marketplace all the time, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. It's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this steamy, Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, our special guest this evening, and glad to have her back, activist, author, and former Congresswoman Dr. Cynthia McKinney will be joining us in conversation. Uh, A lot of topics we can discuss. We'll be going back and forth between two of her latest books, uh, When China Sneezes, From the Coronavirus Lockdown to the Global Political Economic Crisis, and How the United States Creates Sugar, honey, iced tea countries. <laughs> we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. 
Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at Time for an Awakening.
at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 712 here on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening here in the city of Philadelphia. Um, before we get started with our program, let me welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? I'm doing, doing fine. You know, yes, it is steamy here, but, uh, you know, still enjoying the summer. <laughs> and, looking forward, and looking forward to uh, our, our engagement with Dr. McKinney. Um, as usual, she she pr- helped help shape our our perspective as a, as we deal with you know I'm thinking foreign policy and and systems uh, a systems analysis of what's going on in the world and how they affect us. So I'm looking forward to dialogue, looking forward to the dialogue and her, her this new book. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'm glad to have her back with us. Um, as you recall, Richard, and, and, and listening audience, uh, I'm quite sure you recall, she was with us, I think, in April. I think it was about a month into that lockdown last year. And uh, and we talked about a lot of things on the program, and, and uh, the folks that have been listening to it on podcast, the, the, the numbers seem to go up every time I look. They're still listening to it. Well, they'll have something else to listen to this evening because uh, Dr. McKinney is back with us, and we're always happy to have us have her. Activist, author, and former congresswoman, Dr. Cynthia McKinney, is joining us in conversation. Dr. McKinney, how are you? I'm doing fine. <laughs> happy to have This you. is the first time I've used this platform, so um, this will be something, if it works out for me and if it works out for you, then I'll be using it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's you know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah. good. To say. Happy to have you back with us. Well, I'm happy to be back. Uh, it's good. I'm happy that you reached out to me just to check in because sometimes, you know, we get so busy we don't reconnect with friends. And I certainly count you among my very important friends because you're you and uh, your audience are so switched on that um, it's just a, a pleasure to talk with people who are already aware. Dr. McKinney, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned in Richard, and you could hear it uh, when you were off the air, you were with us about a month into that lockdown last year, I think in April or something we had you on. And since then you put out a uh, your latest book, When China Sneezes, from the coronavirus lockdown to the global uh, political economic crisis. Um and we're going to jump back and forth between that book, uh, the the other book, how the uh, United States creates uh, sugar, honey, iced tea countries. And, uh, you know, to, just to pick your brain on some of these issues. First, I want to start with something that's that's uh, that's happening basically right now. Uh, last week, published reports came out that um, that the Biden administration uh, wanted to take their coronavirus vaccination efforts door to door. They said a lot of underserved communities weren't vaccinated. Um, we have been sharing some of that information on, on a uh, time for an awakening, how something is building because they were mentioning several of these cities uh, in black areas uh, weren't being vaccinated. The numbers weren't where they wanted them to be. So now the Biden administration said that they wanted to take this uh, effort door to door. 
it received some pushback politically. But let's look at it from our perspective and, and, and go into it. Uh, and, I, and I want you to really take us into it. What do you see that's happening from this, the dangers of this? And I want to mix this in with Chapter 11 of your book, uh, When China Sneezes, because uh, in Chapter 11, because it, uh, and you clear me up if I'm wrong, Dr. McKinney, the book is a, a, a collaboration of, of other authors. And, yes. and you focus in on certain chapters yourself that you put in. Well, yes. chapter 11 is something that I want to tie in to what this Biden administration is proposing. Talk about it from your perspective. When you've seen that uh, information released that they wanted to take this vaccination effort door to door, what was your perspective on it? Well, first of all, I would like uh, everyone who is sitting in front of a computer and listening to this to go to um, my social media, which <laughs> usually I'm shut down or locked out or whatever, but um, something literally has just happened with the German, there's a German lawyer who is filing, he wants actually to, I believe, to file uh, crimes against humanity charges around the SARS coronavirus too. And um, now if you go to my book, When China Sneezes from the Coronavirus Lockdown to the Global Political Economic Crisis, and you go to chapter one, well, basically what we do in chapter one is we try to explain what a coronavirus is and go into microbiology. And then at the very end, there's a mention of the patents. Well, what Dr. David Martin has done, and I believe he is both an attorney and a physician. So he's perfectly positioned to take what some, some people, some of the feedback that I've gotten, not on my chapter, which is on genocide, which is what your question is, but on this first chapter where we, we, we're trying to give people an understanding of just the basics in biology and microbiology before we get into this larger picture. As um, your co-host said, the sort of a systems analysis of what actually is going on, which is where we end the book. Um, but what Dr. David Martin has done is he's told the story of Anthony Fauci, the National Institute for Infectious Diseases, uh, NIAID, um, he tells the story of these, this individual, this institution, and the, the virus, spike protein, um, and uh, the disease, COVID-19, from the story that the patents tell us. So while my chapter one goes into a lot of 
detail about a lot of different things, Dr. Martin has made this a very specific, targeted investigation of what is the narrative that we can um, uh, derive from the patents. And basically, here is the quote, and you can find it on my Twitter, which is uh, twitter.com slash Cynthia McKinney, on my Facebook, Cynthia, uh, what is facebook.com slash Cynthia McKinney official. And basically what he says is Naid built an infectious replication coronavirus that specifically targeted for human lung epithelia. In other words, we made SARS and we patented it in 2002 before there was any outbreak in Asia. And he gives the patent number, U.S. Patent 727-9327. I've put the link up to this video, this basically a conversation, a three-way conversation among Martin and then uh, Fuel Mick, the uh, attorney who's filed, German attorney who's filing these, uh, this uh, Crimes Against Humanity lawsuit. And then there's um, a cohort of people who are, uh, who are assisting Fuel Mick. I know I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. And they are there in the information that, Martin is providing is being translated into German. It's two hours. It's perhaps the most important two hours that we have experienced thus far. I, when we spoke in April, I told you that I went, uh, I actually led a delegation of 20 people in total we paid our own way, went to China because we knew the, the war drums were beating and the United States hypocritically was using China's treatment of its, in, of its Muslim population as a reason to castigate China. So we decided that we were going to go there and check it out for ourselves. And while we were there, the whole Wuhan situation um, was being um, unraveled. And uh, of course, we didn't go to Wuhan. It wasn't in any of the English language media that we were looking at while we were there. So we had no knowledge whatsoever that there was anything going on. And then uh, 10 days, approximately 10 days after our departure or the end of the delegation, China locked down and then the whole world ensued, you know, the, uh, a, a global lockdown ensued. So while we went to China and we were looking at what it was like to be a Muslim in China, because that's what the issue was upon our departure, December 2019, 
But our return in January 2020 was a completely different narrative. And so this book, When China Sneezes, is a result of what we experienced upon our return to the U.S. And then, of course, the original intention, the original publication fell by the wayside. We still haven't done that book yet. And then this became a very urgent matter. So the challenge that I um, encountered was how to put a book together of tremendously technical information, but make it readable to the public. And that's what I hope I was able to accomplish. And uh, as you point out, Chapter 11 is my chapter that I wrote on uh, genocide. And everything that I that is written in this book, not just in my chapter, but in the entire book, everything is it's come, it's it's being unfolded and it's being revealed and those who have eyes that are open and that can see and brains that are not closed so that they are flexible enough to understand and accept what is being presented to us can only arrive at one conclusion and uh, now the conclusion that we might have arrived at before viewing this video of Dr. David Martin, now we know. But what he reveals, he's talking in that quote that I just gave, he's talking not about SARS coronavirus too. He's talking about SARS. Now, what I reveal in chapter 11 in this book is that the Chinese were wondering when SARS, uh, the SARS outbreak occurred, which was after the patent was applied for and granted in 2002, East Asians became afflicted with SARS. Some people died with SARS, um, severe, what, what, what is it? severe, acute, respiratory syndrome. And the, the, the amazing thing to the Chinese, because the Chinese and the Indians were the very first out of the box studying this phenomenon that was called novel coronavirus and then subsequently SARS coronavirus too. So the Chinese were wondering, you know, what's going on? And the studies that I read, I read all of the studies, all of the academic studies uh, that were published from the SARS period, the MERS period, the H1N1 period, up to about April or May of uh, 2020. And then, of course, the editing began and the book was published some, at some point after that. But psychologically, 
the Chinese with the outbreak of SARS, the Chinese were trying to figure out why is it just us? And so you can see from the academic studies that were done that they they were feeling as if they were targeted, that they were tainted, that they were dirty somehow. The psychological effect of there being a disease, and it's not just Chinese people who were in China who were affected. It was East Asian people, Chinese people in Canada, but no other Canadians were getting SARS. And they were wondering about that. And so when they got the the, um, level four lab, bio lab in Wuhan, they said they were gonna study SARS, And they were going to study, they made a big announcement that they were going to study HIV. Now, do you think the United States wants independent scientists mucking around into the origins of HIV? I don't think so. (laughs) And so um, they made this announcement and they proceeded. What they discovered, and this is what I write about in the book, is this, this whole narrative about how these people are feeling targeted, they're feeling dirty, they're feeling like something is wrong with them, and they want to find out what's going on. And then they found out this ACE2 receptor with the spike protein. They also discovered, of course, we know MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, mainly affected Arabs. And what is uh, interestingly brought out in uh, the academic research that was done in China is that H1N1 was basically affected uh, affected uh, Latinos. If, if, if I should look at my own chapter and refresh my memory. But um, so you've got these different afflictions that are, that uh, afflict different populations. And so the question I asked when we came up with the idea to do this book was, is it possible, because I remembered that uh, page 60 of Rebuilding America's Defenses, that's the Project for a New American um, Century document, where they write about, I should find the uh, rebuilding America's defenses. I've got it right here. And let me go to page 60 and find exactly, let's see, where am I? Oh, I got a long way to go. Sorry about this. No, <laughs> I should have lined it up, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't. So let's just say I didn't. Um, but now these are these are the people project for a new american century are the what's called the ziocon the the the, the uh neocons i call them the ziocons the the neocons who took the united states into 
the various wars starting with Iraq. And let me see, where is it now? Um, they say, oh, shucks, it's page 60, but I have the the PDF of it, which is not exactly page. Oh, okay, let me go. It's their page 60. Okay, here we go. It says... Advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a politically useful tool. They actually wrote it. And other things that were written in Rebuilding America's Defenses and other PNAC documents have come true, so I don't see why we wouldn't think that this couldn't come true. We know that the South Africans were trying to build a black bomb, some kind of genetic um, uh, tool to kill the black people. And we know that was apartheid South Africa. And we know that the Israelis have been working on a brown bomb to kill Palestinians. We know this came out in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, hearings that we all looked at. I know I looked at them and I saw the testimony of the, I call, I think they called him Dr. Death at the time. So uh, these things have taken place, but here it is, it's written here. And these people are writing on behalf of what they hope to make U.S. policy. The United States has U.S. bio labs, has bio labs, that are all over the world funded by U.S. taxpayers. And so it's not a surprise then that Fauci would send millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars over to Wuhan because that was just one of many that the United States used for its own purposes. Now, the um, the sad fact is that the United States has a very rich history of eugenics. And that's the idea that you can perfect humanity or you can perfect human beings in a certain way that is desirable. For example, you want, you know, them all to have blonde hair and blue eyes and they don't have to bleach it to make it blonde. Um, and so then you go about a kind of biology that will produce blonde-haired, blue-eyed human beings. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you know, you can couch it any way you want to. But the bottom line is that I've met people who were sterilized. Uh, there's one woman who. Uh, uh, is, has been very vocal about the fact that she was involuntarily sterilized from New, North Carolina. North Car those laws were still on the books. They just got rid of them a few years back. Mm -hmm. So the idea that, uh, and in fact, um, one researcher by the name of Edwin Black posits that it was eugenics in the United States that then went over 
across across the pond and across the Atlantic over to Germany and built the uh, Nazi state um, just because it was so popular in the United States and it was financed. So the politicians all had money. Like if you're pro-war right now, you can get a lot of money. If you're quiet on Palestine, you can get a lot of money. And so the same way that the dialogue or the political dialogue or discourse is channeled in a certain way is exactly what happened back in that time with the eugenics. And so universities, professors got lots of grants, grant money. If they researched ways in which they could perfect the human being in a way to the detriment of black people, because of course nobody wants to be black. And uh, so uh, this, this, this is a fact of our history. Well, anyway, so I wrote, so wrote this chapter and now with this video coming out and now they're going knocking on doors and zero hedge has published documents about what these people who the, the, uh, the government is calling euphemistically, well, not euphemistically, they're calling them quote unquote ambassadors. And these ambassadors are knocking on doors and they have a script. Now I haven't even, this is so new. I haven't even had a chance to, uh, so it says uh, the script. If you're nervous, that's okay. You don't need to have all the answers. Ignore no soliciting, no soliciting signs. So if you put a, a sign up on your door or at the, on your mailbox or whatever at the beginning of your property and it says no soliciting, they have been instructed, this is for the city of, this is for Lake County, Illinois. And these people are being called community health ambassadors. Now, what we know about SARS coronavirus 2 and the ACE2 protein is that every population doesn't have a whole lot of ACE2 in the body. So certain populations, the mortality is more, is higher, more intense for certain populations based on the presence of ACE2 in their bodies because the spike protein latches on to the ACE2 and then goes into the cell like HIV and then replicates. Now, Dr. McKinney, now, yes. now we've had other guests on that have talked about this. Uh, Dr. Lean, uh, Professor Jefferson, and Dr. Solomon, others have talked about this spike protein. You've mentioned about these things already been patented almost 20 years ago. This spike protein, it, it, to me, just as a, lay, as a layman, it's obvious that it's strange to the body. Uh, I don't think it's naturally created, but it is getting people sick. And evidently the people that were involved in this knew the possibility that people could get sick and die from it. So what in your estimations 
and I'm steering it to chapter 11. What in your estimations is trying to be delivered? And I'm, my focus is black people. That That's what this program is about. Our folks. What do you think is trying to be delivered to black people in particular? Because now all of a sudden the Western world, all out of the United States government, is interested in the health and welfare of black people all of a sudden. The United States government has never been interested in the health and welfare of black people. If it were, we wouldn't have the racial disparities in wealth, income, justice, home ownership, life expectancy, infant mortality, maternal mortality. We wouldn't have the racial disparities that exist today. So therefore, we we should not believe anything that comes out of the CDC, which is the, the successor organization to the Tuskegee study. So um, I, I've never known a vaccine to have a rap song, uh, uh, outreach to... Um, so-called stars, entertainment <laughs> yes. figures. Yes, sports what figures. What the heck is going on? <laughs> oh, okay. okay. And we haven't, and we wouldn't, if the United States government and CDC were so concerned about black people, we wouldn't have little black boys taking the MMR shot early and getting symptoms of autism because the government won't say that they're autistic but um brian hooker got william thompson a cdc scientist on the telephone he didn't know he was being uh recorded where he apologized and said yeah we lied for 10 years and continued to administer the mmr to little black boys and they knew that it increased the chance of black boys getting symptoms of autism. So we wouldn't have these things if the U.S. government, the CDC, really cared about black people. Black farmers are getting the shaft right now. How many times do they have to win? They've won in Congress. They've won in the courts and yet they continue to lose. And now you've got Biden's agriculture secretary, Vilsack, who refuses to, um, well, you you got, I think the Supreme Court, one court stepped in and said that the remedy, which was fashioned as a result of USDA admission of decades of intentional discrimination against black farmers. And now you've got a court saying, well, it's not fair to other farmers (laughs) to, 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 to make, to repair the damage that's been done to black farmers. Meanwhile, black farmers are losing their land and black people as a whole started out after the civil war with 16 million acres. Now we're down to a million and a half acres. We're being dispossessed of the of the little land that we have left. And black farmers are dying. So you can't tell me that this government cares so much about my well-being that it's going to make sure I get a jab in the, in the arm that has made uh, 
Anthony Fauci was bragging, according to some whistleblowers who were present, about the $9 million that he's made. Well, he's wealthy, got a million dollars from the state of Israel as a reward. Reward for what? <laughs> Richard. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and you, you're, you're, you put a, you put the pieces out for us to um, um, possibly, you know, uh, on our own, put the puzzle together. One question I have, um, Dr. McKinney, in relationship to when you were saying about the level four um, bio lab in China, are you saying that China created the bio lab initially in order to address the question of the SARS, of SARS, and why it was affecting people of, of, of that um, genetic background? I think that the Chinese wanted this type of facility so that their scientists would have the opportunity to study not only SARS and H1N1 and MERS, which they were writing papers on, but also they announced that they wanted to investigate the origins of HIV as well. So I'm sure that they wanted the level four lab. Well, one is, you know, it's a prestige thing to be able to have a place for your scientists to go and they're producing more scientists now. And then um, there's scientific research or biological research that needs to be done that's specific to China and its own uh, national security issues. But what Fauci did was found a way to finance a specific kind of research that was not permitted in the United States. And so he circumvented the moratorium on gain-of-function research, gave the money to EcoHealth Alliance. EcoHealth Alliance, well, and also the Pentagon, uh, provided money for this research, which basically gain of function is uh bioweaponry and and that was and that was the uh well i think you you helped clear it up so it was a collaborative development with um the us as far as china building this um biolab 4 and since you mentioned the game of uh, the gain of function um and that that's a policy right because i remember something about obama um, putting a restriction on on the game of function at some point. Um, yes, we're not allowed to be able to do any more research in relationship to um, those kind of uh, pathogens in the creation of these pathogens. Is that correct? Yes, the the, the scientists uh, within the Obama administration decided the gain of function. Uh, research was just too dangerous. Remember, uh, what what was the United States doing back? You know, they were reviving, they uh, reviving Spanish flu, reviving the plague, reviving uh, bubonic plague, reviving. You know, they were doing all this stuff, and you have to wonder what the heck are they doing? 
And um, so uh, the, the gain of function specifically is for human infectivity. And so they, they, the, the scientists decided this is way, you know, this is just way out of where we want to be. Correctly so. And um, just imagine there's so much more positive scientific endeavor that could be had. Well, anyway, um, but Fauci wasn't having any of it. And then you've got these people like Ralph Barrick, uh, Peter Daszak. These are people who participated in this. And, and I just posted where you've got a Nobel laureate, Rita Colwell, as a, a, a sitting on the board of directors of Eco Health Alliance, has put out, well, allowed her name to be signed to two letters touting the natural origin of this thing. And there's no natural origin. And now, uh, Dr. David Martin tells the story, like, for example, you know, with the Federal Reserve, there were many people who had put books out before G. Edward Griffin did The Creature from Jekyll Island. They had told the story of the Federal Reserve, neither being federal nor a reserve. They told that story, They and they told about who the players were, the families that were involved, the personalities that were involved in this, and then the pre-Christmas uh, vote that uh, took place, I think, without even a quorum. And uh, thus the, the uh, Federal Reserve was created. But no one tells the story in page-turner fashion the way G. Edward Griffin told the story uh, in the book, The Creature from the Jekyll Island, you can't put it down. And so even though others came before him, he's the one who is remembered for telling the story of the uh, creature of the Federal Reserve. David Martin now has come along using the the... U.S. government's own patent information. And he tells the story compellingly such that it becomes very clear that SARS, SARS, uh, the spike protein were created and they were created by the U.S. government. And now certain people are profiting from creating in our bloodstreams their battlefield. Which which is interesting because uh, um, in the discussions we've had so far, it's clear that this, um, the, the vaccine, the mRNA, is a um, outside the body, a engineered engineered um, mRNA that is being interjected into the body so it can be able to address the uh, coronavirus. Um, so um, here, if, I, if I'm listening to you correctly, 
you're saying that even the SARS, which is the precursor yes. of, of, of the virus, was engineered yes. and, and then introduced and engineered to be able to be specifically introduced into certain um, population groups to provide, to, to provide this outcome um, that deals with the respiratory system. Um, now, David Martin, Dr. David Martin, doesn't get into the specificity, but uh, of the of the ACE two receptor, that is something that the Chinese were particularly interested in because they were the ones who were affected by SARS, and they couldn't understand. Well, you know, I'm in Canada, I'm not in China. Why am I getting this? Uh, severe uh, respiratory syndrome. Why am I getting this? And my next door neighbor with whom I just shared a coffee isn't getting it, who is not Asian. And so uh, they were looking at that. But now there's, uh, let me see if I can find the study Okay, so there's um, study genetic analysis of the of the novel, and that Dr. David Martin says there's nothing novel about it because they've been they've been doing this for twenty years. Oh, this is TMPRSS two. Okay, that's different in uh, different populations. So there are actually three ways in which. Uh, and actually now I think there's another one. It's so hard to keep up with the latest um, scientific, but um, some populations have TMPRSS2, some people have ACE2, some people have furin. So now these studies are being done about the uh, different populations that have these different ways in which the spike protein latches on to the human cell. So now that's one study, but I'm trying to find, okay. Uh, new insights into genetic susceptibility of COVID-19 and ACE2 and TMPRSS2 polymorphism analysis. So now this one is looking specifically <clears throat> at um, the selectivity with of of SARS coronavirus two, which now it turns out is really the, the selectivity of the spike protein when it comes to certain populations. So uh ACE2 is prevalent in certain populations, more prevalent in certain populations, less prevalent in certain other populations. And so they go a, a little bit into that. And there's one more study, if I can find it, um, that discusses the furin, but I don't have it pulled up. Um, these, I just happen to have these on my laptop uh, open. So anyway, yeah, um, everybody, uh, so, so initially I was, cr I was criticized because when they called it SARS, and I was doing all this reading and I was reading, oh my gosh, I, I, I read so many studies. 
And when they called it uh, SARS, uh, they called it novel coronavirus, and eventually it became SARS uh, uh, coronavirus 2, I said, let's look at who's dying. Because from SARS, it was very clear that it would be East Asians that would be dying. And, uh, oh, I got criticized for that, you know, racist and everything else. Um, But, of course, you want to look at the mortality. Who's dying? Not just who's catching it, but who's dying from it. And um, then, of course, uh, other studies were done. Several studies were done on the ACE2. And the Chinese at the time were concerned about sterility because once they understood that it was the ACE2 receptor onto which the spike protein latched, they knew, they realized they had a lot of ACE2 in their bodies. And uh, one of the places where the there's a lot of ACE2 in individuals male individuals that have a lot of ACE2, one of those places is the testes. So they were concerned at future um, sterility of their men. And that, that, that was in a study that I read. And in fact, it became a part of the Chinese, I had people contributed in this book, who live in China and uh, some of whom are Chinese and some of whom are not, but they live in China. And so we get an inside glimpse of what they were uh, discussing at the time. Plus, you know, at the time I was on WeChat and I was reading WeChat is like um, WeChat to the Chinese is like our, Twitter and Facebook combined. And so I was on WeChat because I had just come back from China and I was still on WeChat, still chatting with people that I had met while I was there. And I knew knew everything that was happening that was being discussed in English Um, And some of the videos that were not in English, but I could make out what was going on. And uh, so this, this whole, then of course, once you zero in on sterility issues, of course, bioweapon genocide becomes an issue. This was never the Chinese virus, the China virus, as has been put forward in the propaganda, just another reason for um, for people in the U.S. to hate China so that this um, war against China has a basis in mythology if um, it becomes a hot war. And uh, so this, we have to look back as uh, Jeff Brown does in my chapter one, 
But as uh, David Martin has done so eloquently and thoroughly in this interview with the lawyer, because it's all there. And, um, well, one of the things they don't discuss, though, is this um, selectivity of the spike protein. In fact, I was invited, very few people are going to discuss this aspect because it's really, you know, aside from everything else, it's really unpleasant. It's unpleasant to say that um, they're using this to kill certain people. It's very unpleasant. However, certain people are dying. And if we don't say it, Je charge genocide. I charge genocide. How many times have we had to say that? Paul Robeson said it. Malcolm X said it. I've said it a lot of times, and many other people have said it. That doesn't just because, just because I say things that other people don't dare say. I went to a conference. The whole conference discussed COVID-19. The entire conference was on COVID-19. This book had just come out, When China Sneezes. I was not asked to talk about COVID-19. I was asked to talk about race. (laughs) We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. Uh, Some callers on the line. I'm going to get them involved. Uh, You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Before we break, uh, let me read a couple of the things here that was contained in Dr. McKinney's book, because when we come back from break, I want to go into some of the things that, uh, uh, when she, she states that the coronavirus is not just a menace to global health. It also facilitates delivery systems for global population control, physical, political, and economic. A couple of things she, she mentions here to keep in mind. In 1950, the U.S. Navy sprayed pneumonia-causing bacteria over the coast of San Francisco, California, during Operation Sea Spray. That was in 1950. In 1955, the U.S. military released yellow fever-infected mosquitoes over Savannah, Georgia, during Operation Big Buzz. As part of Project 112, conducted from 1962 to 1973, the U.S. military filled light bulbs with deadly bacteria and shattered the bulbs on the tracks of the New York subway system, exposing tens of thousands of people to harmful agents. In 1955, uh, 1965, I'm sorry, and folks in the Philadelphia area are familiar with this, the U.S. government exposed prisoners in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to dioxin in order to verify cancer results. Some of these things talk about targeted populations that the U.S. government has conducted these experiments on. We're going to continue this conversation. You can get involved, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. 
32, Time for an Awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customers, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. And just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For 12 years, I and others like me had held out radiant promises of progress. I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. 
They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set. The desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he uh, teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And, uh, for instance, if the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if, they could, if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over a hundred billion dollars in reparations and gets four billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over two hundred million dollars and they get two twenty-one million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them. And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you've called me a nationalist, because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. 
It matters where we are in our minds and wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He's going to still be a Tom. You can put them anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. Let me just say this before our time winds up. And that is, I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots. It's entitled something like Breaking Kunta Kente. That scene opens with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office, and then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kente has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes, and study the scene, study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip, and you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that.
Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 815 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, author, activist, and former Congresswoman Dr. Cynthia McKinney is with us. The conversation centers around her two latest books, When China Sneezes, From the Coronavirus Lockdown to the Global Political Economic Crisis, and How the United States Creates Sugar Honey Iced Tea Countries. Uh, again, you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to 267. 267, you're there. Uh, good evening, Richard. Good evening, Elliot. And I want to say uh, good evening to your distinguished guests. I'm appreciating I'm appreciating this, uh, this program tonight because uh, – Sister McKinney, I'm going to let you know, uh, right after you, I had purchased your book uh, b- like April of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so it, you're just making me go back to the book now because there's so many things I read in that book. I keep forgetting I got to continuously going back and back and back, you know. And the thing about it, like a lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, they're just finding out who Dr. Judy Nicole, Mik- Mik- I can't even say her last name, but you mentioned her right in your book uh, and, and about the pandemic. Um, also, chapter three, the lockdown. I mean, this book is so informative that everybody should have it on their shelf. Um, but what I wanted to say also, I did, I did a little research on my own because, you know, I just left a, you know, um, um, it was a get together with, you know, with some black men. We got together and everything, and I, I heard the conversations. Um, did you get the Johnson and Johnson? Did you get the uh, Moderna? Did you get the Pfizer? But you know what? I had to like mention to these brothers. I said, well, that's like walking. Around. I said, what do you think about the comp? What do you think about the company Monsanto? And they said, oh man, genetic food is no good. I said, well, they're known now as Pharmacia, and Pharmacia is owned by Pfizer. So you're walking around saying, I got the Monsanto shot. You know what I mean? So I said, I said, really, we don't know what this situation, what these things are. They're still experimental. Uh, I did see a program. It had Dan Rather. I think it was Dan Rather back from 1976 when we went through a similar situation. And, you know, people were were allowed to sue because of the vaccine back then. So I guess these same power to bees remembered those situations where people were suing because of that. And they said, well, you got to sign your life away just to get this jab. Um, and, I, and I got so much to say. I know there's other callers. But one more thing I had to ask you. You know, strangely, about four or five years ago, there came out 23andMe. Uh, all these genetic studies of our DNA, you know, talk, um, they want to, like, talk about our heritage. I can see now where they use they could use that against us, like, far as in your, like, Chapter 11, the, uh, and me and the sister, she's listening tonight. She lives in Dallas. She was saying, I'm not going to get it because they can look at your DNA and develop something to kill you. And I said, well, I got it because I wanted to know my origin. And But now I'm starting to see what this sister's saying. She's listening tonight. 
um, about 23 and Me and African Heritage and all this stuff. It's strange that all this stuff and the RNA and all this garbage is coming out now. And here, and here it is. You know, that sister was absolutely right. I don't know if they're all, it's all a pandemic like you mentioned. Uh, could you answer that for me, sister? Uh, you know. Um, thank you so much, 267, number 267, um, for asking the question and really for buying the book and reading it and going back and, and reading it again, because there's, you're right, there's so much. That particular chapter that you mentioned, chapter three, was actually written by a Chinese person. And so that's why you see the the Chinese um, characters interspersed in the, in with the English. Yes. So um, this person was uh, fluent in English, thank goodness. And uh, so uh, was able to write in both. Well, anyway, uh, the sister to whom you refer is absolutely correct. Of course, I'd love to know where I, 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 I say that I am a child of Africa because, you know, what I I said uh, before one head of state that I was um, uh, a child of the, those who, who were stolen from Africa so many years ago. So as a result of me not knowing exactly where I come from, I, I claim, I claim it all. And that's fine, um, but there's no way I would give the U.S. government my DNA. Absolutely no way. Remember Hillary Clinton, when she was Secretary of State, instructed the ambassadors to collect the DNA of the ambassadors. The U.S., remember, um, the U.S. has indiscriminately taken... DNA swabs of black men. Remember that? When they would yeah. go through an entire town and take DNA swabs, you have no way of knowing what they're doing with this DNA. Well, now we kind of got it. Now we understand. Hmm. All right, sis. And, uh, you know, like I'm going to continue reading your book. I urge everybody listening tonight to get this book. There's so much information on it. And, you know, you, you were absolutely right also in, like, chapter, I'm not sure if it's four or three, because, like I said, the book, it has so much. You, you talked about how the media took this spin and made it look like it was China, where actually China was just trying to find a remedy for a problem that was already created. Because I, I even and, and and this is and when you talked about HIV and China had the study, they were trying to find out HIV, which I know the powers to be don't want them to look into that. You know, I remember that Australian vaccine came out at first, and people were showing up positive for HIV. So there's a lot of stuff that's just being uncovered right in front of us. But uh, I appreciate your time on this program. I appreciate. Uh, Richard and Elliot for bringing you on. Um, I'm telling all the listeners, get this book. It's so, it, 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 it has everything on it. It has everything in it that I've been hearing on YouTube and everything else. This sister has already did her homework and has it right there for you all in one location. So 
I appreciate you, Sister McKinney, and you take care of yourself. Thank you so much. And um, Richard and Elliot, I just want to conclude the story I was telling before the break about Mm. how they had this conference and everybody was talking about COVID-19. See, you can talk about COVID-19 and escape the eugenics that's also involved in this with certain mortalities of certain populations. And so when I, I did what they asked me to do, I prepared a presentation on race, although I did flip it and I talked about the white race, the creation of the white race. Um, but um, what I preceded, I had to precede my remarks by mentioning SARS coronavirus too, because you see, you can talk all to the cows come home about COVID-19 And if you talk about COVID-19, then you can say, oh, well, you know, Black people are dying because they are um, uh, poor. Uh, Black people are dying because they have poor diets. Uh, Black people are dying because they have overactive immune systems. Black people are dying because of the wealth gap. Black people are dying because of all da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But then... If you specify, okay, let's look at SARS coronavirus 2 and the spike protein, you can't get away from the fact that Black folk have a lot of ACE2, TMPRSS2, and furin. Wow. <laughs> let's go to Atlanta in 404. 404, are you there? Yes, sir. How you doing, Sister McKinney? Hey, hey, hey Mrs. McKinney, last time we talked, uh, I told you about uh, M.K. Naomi, what he was doing, chemical warfare. And see, yes. They got, just around, they got ethno-specific poison weaponry, what they're doing, okay? So I'm going to take you back. Remember uh, that thing they had in Rwanda where they had the Hutus and Tutsis fighting each other? You remember yes. that? Yes. So check this, check this out. Check out Operation Crimson Mist, where they were spraying them with chemtrails to make them brothers fight each other. Operation Crimson Mist. All right, so I guarantee that's what they're doing now over us to make black people kill each other. Okay, that's Operation Crimson Mist. So I, I want to ask you about uh, about chemtrails and were you uh, privy to classified information? Did you ever get into them files there? I, oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. I was uh, I was looking up Operation Crimson Mist. Uh, it is now <laughs> declassified. Yes, a little known CIA operation which was executed in Rwanda in '94, and resulted mm-hmm. in over a million Africans massacred. In the resulting, created chaos. Yes, that's right. I you know. Um, Part of what got me into trouble was forcing the United Nations under Kofi Annan to do an investigation of Rwanda. And of course, the problem with that was that Kofi Annan was in charge of the Department of Peacekeeping Operations at the time. So he was investigating himself. But, um, uh, and then they put a a commission together, the Carlson Commission, and uh, Doug Hammershaw's, I got a chance to meet Doug Hammershaw's granddaughter. And I said, how do you feel working for an organization that that uh, facilitated the murder of your granddad? And, you know, she was kind of like stunned that I would <laughs> ask such a um, 
I guess, forthright question. But at any rate, yeah, I'm looking at this right now. And uh, this is uh, now for my 404 brother. I just want you to mm-hmm. know that your intervention with me on this program did not uh, fall on deaf ears because in at the end of my chapter, in one of the appendixes, I have the uh, founding document of M.K. Naomi. So I just want you to know that I that I learn from the people I interact with in these. Uh, yeah, here it is, right here, declassified and approved for release. And here it is, number three, on page two hundred fifty-two of the book, M.K. Naomi. I put it in here. I put it in here. Yes, ma'am. So thank you very much. Yes, yes ma'am. And with that Operation Crimson Mist, they spraying them chemtrails. I know you know about them chemtrails. It's hard to get people to even look up and see them spraying. And uh, another thing is, I know this might be way out of line, but what do you think of this? Do you ever get classified information on this unexplained aerial phenomenon? You ever, you ever looked into that? On the... Uh... Uh, the 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 chemtrails or what? What was the second? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well the second was about uh, these unexplained aerial phenomena about these UFOs, and uh, I did some investigation on that. But uh, it's way out. They don't want us to know that. Uh, uh, check out the Galactic Federation. I'm gonna put it like that. The Galactic well, the Federation. Well, next time I come to Atlanta, uh, I need to meet with you, brother Elliot. Brother Elliot, you should give him give him my email address. Well, I can give everybody my email address. <laughs> HQ as in headquarters, HQ 2600 at gmail.com. Okay, HQ 200 at gmail. Yes, ma'am. My name is Wesley. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. My name is Wesley. Okay, now let me... Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Um... Okay, great. So Wes, would you please send me a send me an email? I'm I'm gonna be in Atlanta soon. Okay, you said it's or maybe H2 we can have a, a cup of coffee or something. That's right. You said it's H two what now? H Q as in headquarters. Oh. H is in Harry, mm-hmm. Q is in Queen. Mm-hmm. And then two six zero zero at gmail dot com. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm sure going to look up this Operation Crimson Mist. Don't be surprised if you see that in my next book. <laughs> oh, Yes, ma'am. But that's Uh-oh. what they're doing with the chemtrails. They're spreading on us. And they they spread 660-something different chemicals, Ms. McKinney. And I researched yes. all these weapons. But uh, but uh, I, I like to talk to you about the unexplained area phenomenon, what you know about uh, if you got classified information on that. Uh, maybe you do or maybe you don't. But uh, there's so much going on to... It's fun to be alive to see all what these devils doing. Well, it's definitely, what yeah, they definitely got a lot going on, and um, and uh, what they intend to do is to get it all done as quickly as possible. I believe they just flipped the switch and said, "Okay, we're going." Um, wow! And they they've held this in abeyance until the perfect moment, but I think uh, they think it's either do or die now. And uh, we just have to, you know, I'm sorry that 
our people have taken this jab when, um, it, you know, I, I'm just really sorry about it because. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, uh, Hank Aaron took it too. They killed Hank Aaron too. You know that, right? I know uh, Hank Aaron took it. DMX took it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I know, I know, and, I know. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I know some more of the callers. Uh, I got your email. I'm going to send you an email because there's so much I like to talk to you about because you know enough about all these chemtrails, the directed energy weapons on TI, you know all that. I love you. Yeah, well, now, you know, I um I protested at the in front of the Weather Channel with, uh, we have mm-hmm. a, a great anti-chemtrail guy in Georgia. Um, he ran for Congress. Of course, uh, the powers that be weren't going to let him uh, win, but he put a lot of money and a lot of effort into his campaign. And uh, his, his his whole campaign was around chemtrails. Yes, ma'am. Anyway, I don't want to hold it online. Probably some more callers, but mm-hmm. I'll be getting in contact with you. I appreciate it. God bless you. Stay strong now. Uh, okay, thank w- you. Thanks for your call, Wes. Let's go to uh, let's go back to Georgia again. Four four, another Georgia call. Four four, are you there? Yes, Elliot, I'm here. Greetings to you and greetings to um, Brother Richard. Can you all hear me quite clearly? Yes, yes. Um, I'm Dr. McKinney. Um, greetings to you as well, my sister. Thank you. Well, um, first thing I must say, I was in Atlanta um, a few months ago, and I was so glad to see that they had this Cynthia McKinney Parkway. I had to make sure I drive down there. And when I was um, coming through, coming on 20, I saw John Lewis Parkway as well. So... I said, I hope nothing happened to the sister because I know the name of these roads after somebody deceased. So I was so glad to find it when I Googled to know that you were still in the land of living and not with the ancestors. But I, um, I do um, find it it's very commendable that they did indeed went ahead and give you something in your honor, name the roadway after you. Because I'm originally from Georgia. I'm, I was in the Fort York Fourth District. And right after everything debacle happened, that's when we moved out of the 4th District. We moved to the 5th before we relocated here to the Dallas Metroplex. But um, to get back to the topic that you were speaking on, um, and I just Googled your book on Amazon, and I just went ahead and bought it. So I will go through that book copiously and write my notes and get all of the information because I do agree with you 100% with everything that you have mentioned tonight. Because I was a sister that was telling um, Ralph about not submitting his DNA to find out where he's from. Okay. That is, that is something that they've been pushing a lot. And I've been hearing a lot of people telling us that, you know, you want. I said, first of all, four or 500 years ago on the continent, when some of us were removed from it, those land masks and those artificial borders that are up right now, it does not give you an exact location as to where we are from. And I'm not going to pay the same people who stole my ancestors and made profits from them. I'm not going to give them money in order for them to tell me where they stole my people from. That is kind of ridiculous in itself. <laughs> you know, because I'm paying my abuser to tell me where he got me from. It's like you, you, somebody robbed you and you're paying them to bring back your pocketbook. So I said, no, I was, I was not going to do it. And I said, wherever I am, whenever I leave this plane, and I move on to the next. Hopefully, I will um, find out um, from the ancestors exactly where we are from. But I am not interested right now in having these people tell me anything. 
because you're collecting your information and they're using it for nefarious purposes. That's right. Because right now, they're pushing it. Like, on my job, they have sent me, this is about the sixth notification they have sent me, telling me I, I've been sent in for the um, to come in and get COVID tested. I said, no, I'm not doing it. And I went to the HR administration. I went, I said, look, if y'all want to know my health status, I will go to my personal physician, get my information taken, and I'll put it, let the doctor put it on their letterhead, and I'll bring it in to you. But I am not giving y'all any information about my health status for y'all, for right. what, because I don't know what y'all are going to do with it. That's right. That's and they right. sent me another one again to come in tomorrow for me. And I, keep, and I keep telling them, I said, no, I'm not doing it. So I'm going to go, when I go in again tomorrow, I'll be very nice. And I'm going to say for the last time, I'm going to tell you all again, do not send me any more information asking me to come in to be COVID tested because I'm not giving you all that information. If you want me to go out and get it done and bring it into you because they keep saying it's voluntarily, it's a voluntary option. But this is about, like, about the sixth time that they have sent this to me. It's like every two to three weeks, I get these emails telling me, oh, you've been scheduled to come in and get COVID tested. And this is something that they have been pushing because right now they're trying to put, I believe it's the Moderna where the sister um, was one of those that helped to develop the RNA or whatever it is, a sister. So now you see they're using black faces to try and tell you because somebody black helped develop one of these so-called vaccines that we should find it comfortable to go and get it done. Well, they seem to be forgetting that they use a black female nurse rivers for the Tuskegee experiment and to, to scapegoat her in order to get these black men to feel comfortable in going in and having these things done to them. That's right. So I don't care what That's black right. faces that they're going to be putting on it to tell me I should feel comfortable taking this vaccine because the so-called sister developed it. We all need to know that even um, our circumstances, black people have always been used in order to get us into the position that we're in, like these so-called officials that we have right now, these overseers, and our operatives in these political offices have been put there to keep us in this position that we have that we have found ourselves stuck in. So the answer is again, no, I'm not taking any of it. And I told my I told my sister because she said she went ahead and she got the Moderna. I said I don't know why you went ahead and got it, but she said you know well I I went along because my son and her went together. Well he went and he got the vaccine, so I decided that I said look. Y'all do things and y'all don't even check to find out what it is. I said, whatever it is y'all are doing, I'm not getting it. So, but once again, I'm not going to um, prolong the situation. I'm going to get off the line so that you can go, go ahead and um, get to the next caller. But I do appreciate you, everything that you have done. I have um, the, your last book that, you, that I got from you was the one on Libya, what was done with the destruction of Libya. So I definitely went ahead and I Googled your book on Amazon. I'm, I order it. It will be here tomorrow. And I will sit down and I will go through that book and read it from cover, from cover to cover. I'm going to keep that as a tool in my pocketbook to walk around with so that I can make out excerpts from people to let them know when they start talking this nonsense about we all need to be vaccinated because I said, for one thing, I said, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to worry about me who's on vax. I need to be concerned about you. Because if That's you are right. vaccine, then you already should be protected. Why are you worried about me who is on back? It is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. That's but right. thank you, my sister. <laughs> I'll get off the line and I'll, I'll listen to the rest of the callers. 
Thank you for your well, contributions. You. Yeah, well, you know, she, she she basically said everything that needs to be said, and she said it very eloquently as well. So um, I'll just say I agree with everything that she said. Um, I would say that the I just got an email from um, the Atlanta Jewish Times um, asking for my comment because they have found someone who is willing to uh, remove my name from the uh, Cynthia McKinney Parkway. So, you know, uh, we'll see. That, that's a, that's a, a, a regular perennial struggle um, that takes place in the Georgia legislature. If it's not the Ku Klux Klan, it's the um, uh, Anti-Defamation League or whatever, you know, whoever it is, I don't, I have no idea. But um so these uh, th- these various uh, entities that are offended that the uh, gateway to what used to be the uh, meeting place of the Ku Klux Klan is now named after a black woman who is independent and outspoken. If I were an Uncle Tom, you would see me on the cover of Tom uh, of uh, Time Magazine and Newsweek. Uh, but you, I'm not an Uncle uh, Tom. I'm a black hawk. I'm proud to be what I am. And I don't care what these other people have to say because I speak facts and I speak truth. And yeah, it's just the other, it's just uh, earlier today when I was saying, how many times do I have to be right? There was something else that happened. And uh, I said, well, I was right again. But, you know, I, if if being right means telling the truth about rich, powerful uh, people who think that they deserve to have impunity from the crimes that they commit, then, um, you know, I'm, I'm right again. <laughs> And wrong. <laughs> wrong for being right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a couple more of these on here. And and uh, you raised uh, an issue, uh, Dr. McKinney, that I want to uh, touch on before you before we end this program this evening. So just keep that in mind. I, I won't tell you what it is. I'm going to just come back to it. Uh, let's okay. Go, let's go to 215 in Philadelphia. 215? Your line is open, 215. Going once. Uh, let's go to two one five. That's uh Philadelphia, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to Los Angeles. Two one three, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, can you hear me? Question or comment for our guest? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to, uh, looks like Decatur. Decatur, Georgia. Decatur. You're there. Can you hear me? I know they can hear. Let's uh, let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 215 again in Philadelphia. 215. Brother Elliot. Yes, sir. How you doing, Brother Elliot? Good. That's good. Hey, Brother Richard. How's Sister mm-hmm. McKinney? How you doing? Well, I'm trying to hang in there. Uh, praise <laughs> I'm just, well, you know, let me tell you, I'm trying to stay alive when yes, all these folks trying to kill us off. <laughs> I know that's right. Well, sister, well, well, sister McKinney, before I talk about the uh, Fauci and, 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 and everything, let me first say the sister that called Price, Sister Seraph, who's who presiding in Dallas, uh, she's such a beautiful person. She spoke truth to power because I met with her in person back in 2017. I'll be real brief. 
I, my, my cousin Vanessa lives in Dallas, and she hosted a family reunion on my mother's side. And, 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 and Sister Sarah came and picked me up from the hotel in, da- in downtown Dallas, and she took me out to dinner, everything. She's such a beautiful spirit. She's such a good person and stuff. I love her dearly, man. I just love her so much and stuff, man. She's just a good person. And, you know, and on your end, uh, Sister McKinney, uh, I don't know if you remember this. That was back years ago, about 20-something years ago, you came to Philadelphia at the, at the, as, a, as a guest of Sister Cola Clark. And we met oh, with you down the yes, street. Yes, I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I was there. I was there with Brother Khalil. He picked you up at the airport, whatever like that. And we had dinner with you at the hotel. We had a conference on 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 the on a, on a, a black people and, and our people rising and things like that. It was just yes. so I was so honored, you know, Sister McKenna be in your presence that day. With Brother Arnold Foster was one of the people to help bring you in. You know, he passed on a few years ago. The beautiful man and stuff. Was like a father figure to me. And I was just want to let Elliot and, and Richard and the confident we can listen to the audience know what an honor it was to be in your presence sister mckinney you know just you're just a good person you know and i say this often that the brother ellen richard you know and before i talk about Fauci, you know you look at the squad that he had right now i said if they had a sister like you you, you imagine how stronger and i love them sisters don't get me wrong i love sister rashida talib eli omar sister presley aoc but they, they have someone like you who's a veteran of these corrupt politics, you know how the insides and out of these, you would make them sisters even that much more strong. If they had you as a congressperson now, Sister McKinney, how, how strong the squad could even be even stronger now if you were still a congressperson. Uh, one could only imagine. But, but I'm going to get your books. Like Brother Ralph said, I'm going to definitely get your books and everything because uh, it, 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 our people need to be educated. But you know the sad tragedy, Sister McKinney, is the fact that you, as a former congressperson and a former member of the Congressional Black Caucus, if you as privy to these kind of things, why isn't these Negroes in the CBC now? You know, on any, on, they should be bombarding black radio stations around the country with the same information that you had that you putting forth to our people. But the reason why they're not doing this, Sister McKinney, because they're scared. They scared Negroes, like you said, you was a time or whatever, or Angel Mama. You'd be on front of every, you'd be on Fox News everywhere else. But because you speak truth to power, they shake you out. You know what I mean? Because you dare to speak that's truth right. to power. You know, and, and, that's, and that's just real. And see, Sister McKinney, when Brother Ralph called a few minutes ago, he mentioned Dr. Judy McAvick. And, and, I, and I told Brother Ellen Richard, this Caucasian doctor, she was on a local station here in Philadelphia back the other year. And she called Anthony Fauci everything but the, but the child a guy. She even called him a murderer, a liar, a thief, everything. And just what the host said, well, you know, Dr. McAvick, you need to be careful because he can sue you for slander. She said, I dare him. She said, he's not going to do nothing to me. She said, because he don't want to give me that kind of limelight. She, she ran him down. And you know what? And that was over a year ago. Fauci hasn't said a word because she said he's he not going to come after me because he knows I can expose him for who the world. See, That's and, exactly and, right. She and, is exactly right. And, 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 you know, and it's so sad, Sister McKinney, because right here in Philadelphia, you, you know, ignorance is, is one of the things that when our people know better, they do better. You've got so many ill-informed black doctors here in Philadelphia as well as black media people. They hold Fauci in high standards when him and Bill Gates and that crew are a bunch of racists. They, they want to depopulate the earth, especially from people of color, black people in particular. And they hold this, this bigot creep in high regards, give them awards, invite them to speak and stuff. When this guy is about killing your people, man. See, that's really, ignorance is a dangerous thing, man. And it's so sad, Miss McKinney, that so, if we don't have enough people like you out here putting that information out there to wake our people up. Because so many about ill-informed black folks in this, in this city of Philadelphia, and I'm sure around the country, they've taken this vaccine, like, you said, like, like Sister Sarah said about her sister, Blindly, because some black doctors is, is in there. They got right here in Philadelphia, Ellen Richard to tell you they got 
two or three black doctors they put on the radio every week almost, and they and they and because they black, they telling black folks to get the vaccine. So black people, a lot of us blindly, not all of us, thank God, but so many, too many of us willing to you know pull up our sleeves, Sister McKinney, getting that jab when they should do their own research and, and should know better. But when but we got two doctors here for us, who holistic doctors that's been telling our black folks don't get this use all all the alternatives to fight off the COVID-19, they pretty much get shut out of the of the, the media here in, in, in Philadelphia. They have to kind of do things on the sly, like Dr. Aileen Muhammad from the Nation of Islam. They got to do things kind of on, a, on, a, on, a, you know, on, on the side because they're not getting the same play that these black doctors that's pushing this vaccine is getting. So, I mean, it's just it's a big mess. But I thank God for people like you, Sister McKinney. Sister McKinney, because you're doing that and you, you, you're speaking truth to power. And like Brother Ralph said, may Allah bless you. And you keep doing what you're doing because you're a strong black woman. And I love you, and, and you're not going to be silenced. And, and I thank Brother Elliot and Richard for bringing you on and stuff. You keep doing what you're doing, and I, I can't wait to you come back to Philadelphia again and stuff, so I can see you again, Sister McKinney. And, 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 and Elliot, I get off Elliot and Richard, so somebody else could get on. And, and Brother Elliot, could you uh, put me on mute? All right, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Well, uh, thank you very much for those kind words. And yes, I remember that conference and. Uh, being there with Sister Colia, and um, uh, I was, um, you know, I, um, what can I say? Uh, We need to keep our people, well, there's so much to be said by that comment, because we've got our doctors who are complicit in this Hmm. genocide. We've got um, all kinds of professionals entertainers that are complicit and uh, politicians. I just posted on my social media, every politician that has gone along with this farce should be fired. We have to fire our politicians. I agree with that. They didn't hesitate to fire me when I supported the um, investigation into September 11th. They didn't hesitate to fire me. So, and, and that was because I was trying to defend U.S. national interests in the people of the United States. Well, um, let's fire politicians that go along to get along. Uh, Kwame Brown calls them the, the go along to get along gang. Well, we're finding we have them in every field. We've got them in the medical field, social works field, psychology field, political field as well. Mm-hmm. Now, in the book, I have a postscript. The postscript <clears throat> was uh, literally written by one of the frontline doctors. And um, the, the frontline doctors were saying, okay, you don't need to take a vaccine because we have um, medications plus immune uh, system boosting uh, vitamins and things that preparations that can protect you <clears throat> been talking too much and um so in the postscript i have uh, a message from one of those doctors now I, I i can't leave this conversation though without mentioning there's a website is called dr xmd.com let me pull it up so make sure I'm giving it correctly yes drxmd.com 
And basically it tells you what you can take right now. So like every day I'm into the vitamin D. I take 10,000 units of international units of vitamin D. I should take more vitamin C, but I I can't, you just can't fit it all in. Mm. I take the black seed oil, uh, a teaspoon every day. Now, if, um, and, and a whole bunch of uh, elderberry and bunch of stuff I take, it's here on this drxmd.com website. And um, if you've taken the jab or you know someone, you have a loved one who has taken the jab, make sure they're taking curcumin, black seed oil, vitamin D, and a regular multivitamin that's got everything in in it, including the zinc and the magnesium. So... um, I just wanted to so, get that in. So you're saying if, if they, if they have important. taken that jab, they should uh, get on the regiment of those herbs. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Uh, Dr. McKinney, uh, we got about four more calls here. I'm going to try to get those in. Let me, let me go to a couple of these. Uh, no name here. Let me see. Caller, are you there? Your line is open. Caller. Good evening. How are you doing? Great, great. Brother Marie. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I just wanted to, um, first of all, I wanted to salute Dr. McKinney because, you know, um, us in New York love her from, um, she used to be on like it is. And people know that we. Yes, that's right. We loved you when you was on there and and you used to come and you speak. And it's a shame that all of that great history and knowledge and stuff is uh, still hasn't been put up online as people are still battling to get that information out there. I want to thank you for the work that you've done. You know, I do I do a show called Black Men Screaming, and we always had your back. I had I think I have one of your former um, uh, assistants, uh, Dow Montgomery or Dow Hell, who used to work for you. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he talks about you all the time. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we we got nothing but love for you, Doctor McKinney, and um, you know, I just wanted to say this. Also, um, I, I'm Brother Richard and Brother Elliot have been a, a blessing to me, and I've been sharing all of their information from this whole COVID situation with all the different programs. But out of the, the, the uh, 16 brothers that we all went to college together, I'm the last one that hasn't taken the vaccine. Wow. So, so you know, and then one of my other men, my, my, one of my other partners called me, and this this is where... I'm interested in understanding the legalities of this. <laughs> My boy called me because he said one of our partners um, was having an issue with his prostate, and they wouldn't treat him unless he um, was immunized. Mm. So oh he went, gosh. he went, he went and got the immunization. And then my boy called me to say, "Well, you know, you're the last one." And he begged me, <laughs> me, me and him are the last ones actually. Two was left. Um, he begged me not to not to um, take the immunization, and I said to him, "You know, um, I don't know how much longer brothers is going to be able to hold out because that, that now this what's the legality of this issue of them saying they won't treat you unless you immunize? Because he even said his own doctor told him, you know, don't come in until you get immunized. 
So I'm just going to say that. Again, I want to salute you, all of y'all, for the great work that y'all doing. I'm going to get off the, get off the line and just listen. Brother Maurice, thanks for your contribution. I'll be in touch. Peace. Well, I'm I'm pretty much stunned by um, this um, mandate that a person could um, have a potential health uh, issue of great magnitude, um, and they're told that they won't be treated until they get immunized. Uh, that is a stunning situation and totally unacceptable for anyone to find themselves in. Um, and I just, I really don't have anything. Yeah, wow. I mean. Let me, let me, uh, let's go to uh, Sacramento, Sacramento, California. Sacramento, Sacramento, your line is open. Are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go up to Toronto, Canada, 647. Toronto. Uh, yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, uh, first of all, I would like to thank uh, Sister McKinney for the work that uh, she has done. I remember uh, you, I, I see you in the tradition of uh, Claudia Jones and Rosa Guy and Aminata Museka, Abby Lincoln, in the sense that you are, are uh, a sister that has kept us on look, looking out for international, not just local and uh, uh, continental, uh, you know, Western Hemisphere issues, but you're a woman that has helped us understand, you know, the continent of Africa and the entire planet. And uh, I think you, you, you are in that tradition. And I remember you, I met you once here in, in, in Toronto, when you came to a different book list, and I also yes. used to talk used to talk to you all the time uh, with uh, the late uh, Didan Kimathi, aka oh my gosh. Kenneth Carr. Kenneth Carr, yes. you, uh, you and him used I used to have you and him you and him used to have some very beautiful heated discussions. I remember. Uh. <laughs> yes. He, yeah, he would test me all the time because he couldn't believe that I actually got elected to Congress. He said nobody good goes to Congress. <laughs> yeah, I remember I I used to he was he used to talk to you almost every quite a few times after he came off of the air on uh in Los Angeles and he would call you and you guys were it was like it was like Ali and, and Frazier fighting. All the time. I used to get a kick. I used to get a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah, he was a great friend. I, you know, gosh, we're missing some good people, some great people. Yes, and uh, you know, could you talk about uh, you know the role that African women have played in terms of the international struggle, and and could you you know why or you know could you talk about the fact that women have been suppressed when it comes to the whole question of being theoreticians and you know I guess it's a man's world. Could you explain that situation? 
Well, <clears throat> I think even I um, experienced it in in my own kind of way. I'll start with what um, Carol Mosley Braun used to say all the time, and that is that there's, I can't remember if she used to say it was two kind of women or three kind of Black women. If you weren't uh, Sapphire, <laughs> then you were the Mammy. And if you weren't the Mammy and you weren't the Sapphire, then you didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of um, the way black women have kind of been been treated. I, I used to have a mammy doll. Well, I still have it. It's just packed up. A mammy doll collection. I went into a Kentucky store, rural Kentucky, and they had a, a bunch of these little uh, ceramic mammy dolls and uh uh, the 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 guy and so I bought them all <laughs> and um uh that's who that's who black women have been and we've been defined that way by others by outsiders and in lots of ways uh our men have accepted that as well and um, so, for example, when, you know, it was never the black police officers at, on the Capitol Hill police force that were harassing me, it was always the white ones. And um, under the guise of them not being able to recognize me, although <laughs> I was, the, <laughs> you know, it's a very um, uh, standout-ish with my... Uh, natural hair and, you know, uh, and colorful clothing and whatever, whatever, whatever. But they always claim they they couldn't uh, recognize me, even though it was their job to recognize all 535 members of Congress. But but me, they couldn't. They had to post pictures around all over Capitol Hill. This is Cynthia McKinney, you know. And I, now I wonder if they were posting those pictures so that they could know who to target. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were putting their hands on me. And But, you know, from the historical perspective, white men have always been able to put their hands on black women. And uh, they put their hands, police officers put their hands on me. And then... Um, the sergeant at arms would come and apologize. Oh, we didn't, you know, they didn't know who you were, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And uh, the black police officers were filing complaints because they were being called nigga on the job, you know. And um, so they had their own struggle. But when the one incident happened, what I wanted was what, what I really, really wanted. It was, it had been building up for a long time. They had been doing it. They just targeted me incessantly. But um, I wanted black men to descend on Washington, D.C. and say, keep your hands off the sister. And it didn't happen. And uh, I think about that a lot because, you know, I was up there every day and engaged in trench warfare, just defending my presence in that institution. And I was 
you know, sort of literally, I was on the battlefield and I didn't have the weapons and I didn't have a platoon beside me to help protect me. And I think uh, in terms of Black women in the struggle, you know, I can't speak for other situations, but I can certainly speak for my own, is that there was a network of Black men had that network. I just never had the net, you know, I just never had that kind of a, a, a of a network that would um, spring to my defense like that when I was doing everything I did was for my constituents and uh, for this country. I didn't do anything I didn't sell out to another country. I mean, you know, the the amount of people who laugh as they cast a vote for war or, um, because it's a big money vote, you know, um, there are money votes in, in the Congress and money does flow for some votes. I never took those votes. I was always broke and poor in my campaigns. Could I, could I, could I say one thing in, in your, in, to, def, to defend that point? I remember a person that, that I know quite well was stuck in South Africa doing that world conference. And it was because of you that he was able to get out. Well, I, I didn't know that, but I can tell you that um, the world conference against racism was one of those things. It was one of those things where, you know, um, I asked, and that was the tale of two women because Ada Bernice Johnson put me I asked her if I could be the the task force chair for the Congressional Black Caucus because I was interested in the topic. And uh, when they came out with the Zionism is racism, um, well, the the pro-Israel people were saying that Zionism equals racism is... Um, racist to say, and so therefore you shouldn't uh, critique Zionism because that in and of itself is anti-Semitic, despite the fact that you're talking about Semitic peoples of the Palestine. Of Palestine. Um, <laughs> but um, so, uh, but it was the two of us and uh we made sure that there was a black presence. And if you notice, once they got rid of me, that was the end of a black presence in, in that whole process. I mean, in terms of congressional presence. Right. Thank you for your contribution. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Let's go to 646. 646. Yes, good evening. To you, Richard Elliott, into Sister McKinney. Um, excellent show, excellent show. Sister McKinney, let me let me ask you this: as someone who has more or less a, a, a worldview on this whole situation in regards to politics and how it has played out for the growth and development of our people. Now it looks like. This H.R. 1 bill is not going to be passed because it seems like it's like 58 people in this country. Sadly to say, the Republicans 
the six Supreme Court justice and the two Democrats, Merchants and Synergy. Now, the sad thing is that two of them are black, um, Clarence Thomas and um, Scott. Now, my question to you is, with all of this talk about democracy and how we have to have certain things in place for the country to move forward, and what it seems like the two Democrats and the others, 56, are not going to get rid of the filibuster to be able to pass H.R. 1. In all sincerity and honesty, what position do black people have in this country to not only get some sort of justice in regards to the vote, and to take it even further, reparations. What what kind of real position are we in, honestly? Honestly. Okay, so your question is about voting and about reparations. Okay, so um, first of all, H.R. 1 is a sham. You mentioned the filibuster. I'm in favor of keeping the filibuster. And just because it's a Democratic Party talking point doesn't mean it's good for Black people. Um, you've got the Democratic Party that's open border and um, that um, <clears throat> wants undocumented people who come into the country with no documentation whatsoever to be able to vote in local elections, and they're already doing so in certain jurisdictions across the country, in democratic jurisdictions across the country. I think this is a travesty for Black people. And if Black people can't see that this is a travesty, um, I'm sorry. H.R. 1 is a sham because if it doesn't get rid of electronic voting machines, it's a sham. And they're just doing a, I, my students in Bangladesh, uh, they, boy, I, I, I loved the, the way um, my Bangladeshi students uh, introduced me to certain sayings and it's an eyewash. So on the one hand, you think you've got something. And on the other hand, you ain't got nothing. And uh, all they've done is put some uh, saline in your eye and tell you that you can see better. So um, when it comes to HR1, um, I don't see a, I don't see that there's a problem with having a, um, I mean, you go to other countries and you see what other countries do to protect the integrity of their voting system. I'm not saying that there ain't no cheating because there's cheating everywhere. And there was cheating before the electronic voting machines too. But uh, the electronic voting machines allows for the cheating to be um, almost undetectable, especially when it's done on privately owned software that is not divulged to the public. I filed a lawsuit because my election was uh, held on electronic voting machines and they, the state of Georgia said that the uh, software belongs to Diebold. It was Diebold at that time. Diebold is equals Dominion because it's the same company. And um, uh, 
so therefore, the election data was not available to the public. So now how in the world are you going to talk about election integrity? HR1 doesn't change that. It's an eyewash. And I would just tell people, if the Democrats say yes, then you better look at no. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's not to say that you better look at, uh, you don't look at no for the Republicans too. You look at no for, it's, it's called critical analysis. Mm-hmm. And, and we have this thing that, you know, they're beating up now. Uh, critical race theory, well, most of them don't even know what it is, never studied it, never read a book, never read an article, and half of them don't even want to talk about race in the first place. Half of them that are talking about it never wanted to talk about race because there's some familial and institutional complicity in the current scenario that has us 1,000 years behind in home ownership. Well, if you say say that HR1 is a farce, and based on your explanation, it may be a, a farce, then my question to you is, what happens to civil rights and the ability for Black America to cast a vote to have some sort of a say within this country, which is used, which is used as a manipulation tool to keep black folks in line. So whereby black folks don't think that they can survive in this country or have no direction in this country without them being able to vote and create stars like Letitia Brown, Stacey Abrams, and almost a star in the Monkey Man Gilliam, and some others who basically job I feel is to try and place you in whiteness. So, so my question is, what 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 do our people honestly do to be able to feel as though they have some sort of say? in position in this country, or is the reality that we don't have no say or position in this country? Well, um, the sad situation is that we have very little say and probably even less than we had uh, back in the 1960s. We talked about voting we have to have something for which to vote and um, that something for which we vote is public policy. But look at the scenario that Brother Elliot plays in the intro to the show. And that is um, my rendition of the Kunta Kente um, breaking Kunta and turning him into Toby. First of all, that process continues. So you've got me, I'm Kunta, but you've got Tobys that are successful in politics. So when the black community understands that their vested interest lies in promoting and protecting Kuntas and not deifying Tobys, (laughs) 
then we can we can actually say that we can move forward to protect our representation, to protect our voice, to get reparations. But we'll never get reparations as long as we promote Tobis. And that's what we're doing. And so we have to look at the plantation of the United States of America, the way it's structured, and we have to understand who's who. I wrote a paper called Purple Revolution. I invite you to go to my website, allthingscynthiamckinney.com, and look at that paper of Purple Revolution. Because I asked the question, is it chickens come home to roost? Just like uh, Malcolm X said it was a long time ago with the assassination of JFK. Well, are we seeing uh, chickens come home to roost with hybrid warfare being waged against the United States of America? And that means the people of the United States. And the people who are doing this are people inside the United States. So um, the hybrid warfare has been waged against black people. That was called COINTELPRO. It was a COINTELPRO operation, which was basically hybrid warfare against black people. No, you're not going to be able to select your own leaders. We're going to select your leaders for you and then make you think that you've actually selected somebody. (laughs) Well, I I would say this. Based on your reply um, and even what you said about reparations, we are absolutely in extremely bad shape and effed, as one would say, because it don't seem like we have any type of leadership that's going to move us forward any any type of solvent way. And we have, unfortunately no institutions in place to fight against the um the tobies i mean it it it, it just seems you know well, sorry to say it's just kind of blatant. well let but, me um, let me say let me say this before i let you go because there's a couple more calls <clears throat> the leadership is out here uh, you you're hearing one now the thing is that the messages have to get out here some of these stations that you listen to and i keep repeating the same thing they promote some of these other people, the Toby, so to speak. You hear them. A lot of these black voices that some of our people have made stars in, in, the, in the media, in the news. These people are Tobies, and they promote Tobies. The leadership is out here. You're hearing one now. So promote these people. Get their messages out. We're going to do our part on Time for Awakening and Time for Awakening Media. Other media outlets that's independent need to do their part to get the information out. It's not that our people is effed or screwed. That's bull crap. The leadership is out here. We got to galvanize and get the information out. When you're in battle, you need to get messages out. You need to, 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 ha- to have coordinated efforts and strategies. That's communication. There's no reason for our farmers to, build, to, to still be losing their land. There's no reason for our farmers to be losing their farms. I wrote the amendment to the farm bill. I think it was 1996 farm bill. I wrote that amendment that uh, authorized a, a disparity study. We had in place 
Mike Espy, who did a, 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 a real disparity study and it told the truth. It didn't, it didn't sugarcoat anything. It didn't hide anything. It told the truth about U.S. history with respect to agriculture, USDA. The farmers won and they still haven't been paid. And this, look how long it's been. And they're still losing. They're dying. Our farmers are dying. And, and you see all these articles in non-Black-owned media saying, you know, uh, celebrating the young Blacks that are now going into agriculture. But the bottom line is that we're losing the, the, and the, the, the farmland that the Black farmers had. Just imagine they never got loans, so they were never able to do the chemical agriculture. What does that mean? They've got the most pristine soil that's still full of nutrients in the country. And they're losing it to USDA, who will then sell it to the big conglomerates. So, I mean, there's some things that we, even when we win, we lose. Brother Elliot, I would really highly recommend you have a farmer on. You know, I have. Oh, uh, we, listen, we've had them on. In fact, we've had we had one of the uh, farm attorneys on a couple of weeks ago. We've always had them on. I've had okay, uh, some of the Beautiful. name plaintiffs, name plaintiffs from the Pickford versus Glickman, both uh, the lawsuits. Yeah. I mean, we constantly have them on. Yeah, because now you know those are my farmers. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just love them. I love them, and you know, I, I'm powerless to do anything to help them now let me grab this last call hey uh thank you for your call brother hotel right let me grab uh let's go to oberlin ohio are you there yes i am yes i am how are you sir i'm doing well um uh uh honorable uh mckinney uh it's, it's great to uh to be listening to you thank you um, I have I have two things um, I want to talk about. Um, maybe you might be familiar with these because honestly, like, you know, I know what's going on with a lot of the international like um, things that you like to talk about in the fact that in the way that it can impact, you know, black people and black people's upliftment. I know I know that you were a, a congressman in the in the 1990s. Uh, I, I got two points I want to make. And I'll be real quick. I just want to say my points and then, and then listen to your feedback. Uh, are you aware with a man named MKO Abiola, uh, elected president of uh, Nigeria? Are you are you familiar with that with him? Yes, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people, you know, that story doesn't really get out here in in this country. How you know, basically, you know, people in this country was kind of the last people around them, and you know, everything's everything. Nigeria is another one of those, you know, you know stuff whole countries, you know, let me try to censor my stuff, but you know what I mean, that people, you know, other countries go in, meddle with, and then it's like, oopsie daisy, what's going on? Like, what do you know? I mean, I mean, can you speak on that? Because, like, I, I would love to hear about what mm-hmm. happened to him. I mean, I think that black people, however, you know, what happens, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't go out, you know, and they shouldn't die in questionable circumstances, especially duly elected people. Do you have any, any things on that? Well, uh, people shouldn't die in questionable circumstances, but they do so all the time. 
And uh, especially when they go against the grain. <laughs> My mom uh, often tells me she's surprised they haven't, you know, uh, done something to me. Uh, Lord, I've had my share of 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 of, of stalkers, that's for sure, uh, and they weren't love stalkers; they they were political stalkers. Um, but um, the story is, you know, I can only tell you the story <clears throat> that Susan Rice was the last person to 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 see uh, Abiola, and uh, mm. well, I, I would I, I would believe it. I'm looking at and. Uh, academic uh, paper now that's uh, exploring uh, this uh, story about the relationship between Susan Rice and Abiola. Um, Because I had a relationship with um, Laurent Kabila in Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo. And it was a very close relationship where he came to trust me. Uh, well, really, because I, I I saw something really good happening that I thought, anyway, was really good with the demise of Mobutu. And so I made my way to Lubumbashi when um, uh, Kabila was uh, stationed at the bush. And um, I made my way there and the first question uh he asked the CIA station manager when the CIA station manager told him that Cynthia McKinney wants to meet with you first question he asked was did she win because he was following what was going on with me in my political travails in Georgia and um uh so anyway we had this relationship And um, Susan Rice paid him a visit and he was so outraged. He called me on the phone. I'll never forget. I was uh, in the house chamber, the phone uh, buzzed. And so I uh, left the chamber so I could take the call and it was uh, Kabila. And he was calling me uh, describing, this was the last conversation I had with him. He was describing how Susan Rice had talked to him. And uh, shortly after that, he was dead. He told me he would never betray Congo. So um, when Black people think that Biden has done something, or Obama for that matter, when they put Susan Rice in a position, you remember Susan Rice was the one that said she did not want to be relegated to the ghetto of Africa. Mm Mm-hmm. You remember that? So, I mean, here's someone who probably is, you know, infused with a lot of self-hate. I don't, you know, and um, who overlooked everything that was going on in Rwanda, that same uh, Operation Crimson Mist that um, uh, Brother West was talking about. Well, that's a million dead Africans. And... um, Susan Rice did nothing. She was one of those persons that did nothing. So um, um, we have a, that's another Toby situation. As far as Susan Rice is concerned, it's not even Toby. I mean, uh, not even Toby. That's uh, the plant, the, the, the black guy with the whip in his hand, whipping the other black people. 
wow, that's what I needed to hear. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad that I heard, I've actually heard something about it because I, the only way, the only reason I even know about that is because like I was reading Nigerian news, you know, because I wanted to know what's going on, on in Africa. I would read all kinds of uh, African news, what's going on, and I just happened to see that. And I'm going to, I'm going to end with this. Um, U.S. spoke about like stalking. Do you, do you, do you think that there's some kind of like, uh, um, espionage, like cyber stalking campaign that is basically another, uh, COINTELPRO type deal going on with black people? Like, do you really think that there's some kind of like electronic, like surveillance that's actively going on to try to influence black people in this country? Well, I think it's very clear when you get a, a, a vaccine that has a, a rap song and, and uh, entertainers. I mean, you know, the only thing I can I can think of uh, the, the last time there was, you know, a push. But this is even worse than that was was um, the, the people ended up with Guillain-Barre syndrome and um and, and that's bad enough. And before that, what was it? Um, thalidomide. And you can still see some uh, of the people who are now adults, older adults now, but uh, who were born with, uh, uh, you know, known as the thalidomide babies. So, um, you know, Yes, there is this targeting that is taking place. And unfortunately, uh, T. West of AfriSynergy calls them low information people. And unfortunately, our community is plagued with low information people who are easily persuaded by the media, social media. Uh, You've got states like Israel, now the United States as well, and um uh, the UK that hire as part of their uh, intelligence apparatus people to 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 troll on the internet. So you don't know if you're debating a real person or if you're debating a bot. Exactly. I, I see that a lot. I mm. see that a lot. So yes. I just, I just, yes. that's right. Uh, Anamo McKinney, thank you, thank you, and may God grace you with with exuberance and and and, and passion. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for your you. contribution, Sean. Um, <clears throat> Richard, uh, a lot of the callers kind of t- took a lot of the things I wanted to talk. I know he took some of the things you want to mention, but uh, so, listen, yeah, right. taking notes. <laughs> something I want to say in reference to what you just told the caller, Sean from Oberlin, Ohio. Dr. McKinney about some of these things in reference to, now he mentioned a leader in Nigeria. You mentioned a leader in the Congo that you had a relationship with. And once they talk to a popular uh, official here, that's, that's an official again in the Biden administration, then they end up mysteriously uh, dead. Now the popular media, and this is what I was talking to the caller from New York. The popular media, black media in particular, the, the, the black or, or black, black directed media, they put these people, the, like the one you just mentioned, on a pedestal. And that black people are supposed to be proud of these people. When the type yeah. of stuff that they're doing, black people have no knowledge of. That's the problem. It's not that our people are stupid, they slow, we're, we're screwed. 
we don't have the proper information. And some of the black uh, entities, media entities that are supposed to get the proper information out to the people don't do it. For whatever reasons, whether they're getting paid, whether they uh, uh, don't like it because it offends white folks, for whatever reason, they don't get the information out to our people. So they don't know about these people. That's correct. Let me, let me, let let me. It's very sad um, because, you know, he who has no vision is doomed to perish or something like that, you know, from the Bible. And um, so if we don't have a vision of where we are, we certainly can't uh, chart a course for where we need to go. Let me, let me, um, because Rice's name was mentioned, but we see a lot of these figures now that either have vocally pledged their allegiance to another country or has been cultivated by other people. Now, I'm going to read two as an example, and I want you to comment on the things that you hear, Dr. McKinney. Um, okay. It's a black man that's the, quote, unquote, uh, I guess the de facto mayor, well, not de facto, the, the, uh, the mayor-elect of New York. They said mm-hmm. the he's won the primary, he'll probably end up being mayor. Now, okay. this man was a former police officer. Uh, some of the things that, that, that our people are uh, was trying to fight for after uh, Floyd was murdered, even before Floyd was murdered, he's against. Mm-hmm. Now, let me read three statements that he made when he was interviewed by Jewish media. Okay. I'll read the questions, and I'll read his comments. And then I'll play a short one-minute clip of uh, somebody that the audience is familiar with. Here's the question from Jewish media. There's been stories about your past with Louis Farrakhan and Al Sharpton uh, around the Internet for years. But what was recently brought to the fore uh, in the New York Times article is that you praised Farrakhan and hung out with Al Sharpton. Do you want to address this? Now, he's talking to Adams, this Jewish media person that wrote for the Jewish paper. Here's uh, uh, Adams' answer. If you do the math, 1993, I was 28 years old. If if anyone ever had a question, is Eric Adams anti-Semitic? Look at my 20-year run. I'm not anti-Semitic. I don't subscribe to the philosophy of the Nation of Islam. We were a part (laughs) of using local members here to fight a crime fighting initiative. We are in different cities back then with 2000 homicides in a year and 90,000 robberies. They had a security program that was like the crisis management of today. Eric is not anti-Semitic. Eric is a friend of the Jewish community. Here's the second question. And does, Mm -hmm. does Eric condemn Louis Farrakhan? Yes, I do. That's his answer. The third question. Here's the the Israel question. If elected, do you plan to do uh, the job? Excuse me. Do you plan on doing the job New York City mayors have traditionally done to be an advocate for Israel? This was his answer. I visited Israel twice. I'm going back again. I'm going to try to f- buy a plot of land there so I can retire. I love the people. I love the food. I love the culture. I love to dance. I love everything about Israel. Now, that's a black man, supposedly from the community, 
that black people and, and others have elected there. So black people have the, the perception that he will be in their camp, even though he might not be. But do you think that black people have this type of information on him, that he's basically pledged his allegiance to a foreign government? Now, he, now he is a now. Just keep that in mind. Just uh, just for the listening audience, I'm not trying to uh, okay. tell you anything, <laughs> Doctor McKinney. I just want to play this, and we played it for the time for awakening audience before. I think these responses are similar to what you heard in print from Adams. Let me uh, play this. Everybody's familiar with this person that you'll hear. Hi, everyone. I'm so sorry I cannot be with you in person today at the AJC Global Forum. But as a member of both the Senate Intelligence Committee and the Senate Homeland Security Committee, I am deeply involved in ensuring the American-Israeli relationship remains strong. And I am proud to stand strongly with America's most important allies. So let me be clear about what I believe. Israel is a critical friend and ally to the United States. I stand with Israel both because of our shared values, which are so fundamental to the founding of both our nations, and I believe the bonds between the people of the United States and the people of Israel are unbreakable, and we can never let anyone drive a wedge between us. And I believe Israel should never be a partisan issue. I will do everything in my power to ensure broad and bipartisan support for Israel's security and right to self-defense. That is why I strongly support America's security assistance to Israel, and I am committed to strengthen the American-Israeli security and defense relationship. I believe that when any organization delegitimizes Israel, we must stand up and speak out against it. Israel must be treated equally, and that is why the first resolution I co-sponsored as a United States senator was to combat anti-Israeli bias at the United Nations and affirm and reaffirm that the United States seeks a just, secure, and sustainable two-state Now, the reason I played those two, Dr. McKinney, because you got a man that's going to be, potentially be the mayor of the largest city in this country and the vice president of this country and other politicians that I haven't even named. It's a countless list of them that have either been cultivated or swore their allegiance to Israel. Martha Fudge, uh, 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 Gregory Meeks, uh, Lloyd Austin. You can go down a list. When you see these people, what, what should black people think about these folk? I mean, get beyond, oh, he's the first, he's this, she's this, she's the first. What, what is it saying when you see these people pledging their allegiance to foreign governments and some of these governments have been racist to black people that's over there, racist to the people that's in the land. Tell me, tell me how, how we should view some of these blacks that are in elected office. You already said that, that these people need to be, you need to uh, vote these people out. But just give me your opinion, just as a layman person, not as a former elected official, just as a person observing these behaviors. What do you say? Well, I would observe not the behavior that got them there, but the behavior or the lack of behavior 
that allows them to be there. Okay. And the lack of behavior is when we choose to look at movies instead of educating ourselves, when we choose to um, read, look at the sports, and I'm not against sports, but we choose to look at sports to the exclusion of looking at news. And when I say news, I don't mean, I mean all of it, the mainstream, the corporate funded, the foundation mm-hmm. funded, and the inter and the uh, independent. Okay. So that we can be fully informed. I, I talked about my friend uh, T West of Afri Synergy, who refers to these people as low information people. We have too many low information people. I was just with some members of my family, and they're fussing. Because I asked them, well, do you know what the ingredients in the va- in the so-called vaccine are? Well, they don't know what the ingredients are. So how are they going to uh, uh, look at me as if I'm being irresponsible because I don't take the jab and they were stupid enough to take the jab? Well, I shouldn't say that. But that's not <laughs> I understand. That's my family I'm talking about. <laughs> I guess you'll be so, getting some calls after you leave the program. Yeah, so, yeah, from my family. But so in, I can't blame other people when I see too many dysfunctional behaviors inside our own community that lead to a condition of low, informa- low information. So instead of having whatever it is that we have that that listen to your show, which is broadcast probably on many different platforms, um, it ought to be in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, because I can go to Cardi B YouTube channel and I can see 8 million on one song. Mm. So that's a choice that somebody made to to instead of um uh time to be awake it's um uh listening to Cardi B and you know what that song is so we you know we, we got to make better decisions and i should not have had to walk the capitol by myself after you know the first report of police officers putting their hands on me. That happened many times. Uh, And, um, you know, I I went to, um, when when they were in New York City, I went to some of the members of Congress in New York City, and I said, we need to do a, a, a protest. We need to have Black men from all over the country come and march in New York City. And I was told, we don't, that's what y'all do down south. We don't march in New York City. So, uh, you know, we. I, I have another member of Congress told me, Cynthia, you just have to accept that when the Democratic leadership tell us to do something, we're going to do it. Now, that was after Hurricane Katrina, and I was trying to get them to go against democratic leadership and do something for us. So now if we bail out 
on Hurricane Katrina, then, you know, our our elected officials will bail out on anything. Of course, they're going to bail out on coronavirus, even though it's directly killing us. They'll bail out on anything because we allow it. And it won't stop until we stop it. Okay. Richard, let me grab this last one, and then I'm going to give you the last word, Richard. Let's go to 505. Uh, that's Albuquerque. 505? 505, are you there? Yeah, I'm just listening. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Richard, we've kept uh, Dr. McKinney almost two hours. Yeah, two, <laughs> way longer than I anticipated, but it's okay. <laughs> Richard, I'll give you the last words, Richard. I just uh, wanted to thank um, Dr. McKinney for, you know, sharing. It's a couple of pieces um, that you, you know, left us with to really build on, and that's what we need to do um, in, in the last, for you know, last exchange that you have, because unless we st- not just uh, listen, but we have to kind of, each one of us take the responsibility to not be those people standing on the sidelines. And right now, that's right lot of us standing on the sidelines, um, whether we know or don't know, but we're standing and we're watching, um, you know, the Kunte being beat, but more, more we're watching Toby um, yes. doing a job that is killing us all. And we're just standing there either asking questions of, to each other. Well, will, will he kill me today? Or, <laughs> or, uh, or, 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 not saying nothing, praying. I hope that you don't kill me today. Um, but it's it's just interesting. But I, I appreciate you being able to share with share with us um, what you have. And I have to say, um, Susan Rice now is what the director of domestic. Uh, you know, so she done moved from foreign policy to domestic, um, uh, a domestic office, and based off of, you know, that nugget that you sent, uh, makes me even more um, concerned of what's going on. You know, what are they up to from that perspective? But thank you so much for, for sharing, you know, giving us the time and sharing so much of your information and the work that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. And um, I would like once again to invite people to go to my website. I do need to update it please pardon it you know but um the information is there all things cynthia mckinney.com and um uh under um cynthia's writings or cynthia's uh op-eds you'll find the piece that i wrote on the purple revolution remember everybody where the, and, and in fact they still wear purple um, and, uh, you know, for me, black lives mattered before George Soros and his billionaire friends poured $30 million into the black lives matter foundation. And of course the average ordinary black lives matter volunteer activist in the chapters got nothing. So, um, we 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 really we we really have to 
look at things that are happening to us. I, I've said a long time ago in speech in, in Chicago um, that even a, a, a one-celled amoeba reacts to its environment. And when the environment becomes hostile, it it changes it the the way it moves within that environment and we have to become more critical about our environment and the things that are happening directly to us we have to look at this stuff and please don't parrot anybody's line especially democratic party's line because they look at a state like georgia and they say oh well you know all these black people, it's already 30% black. And now you got black people moving from New York and Pennsylvania and they're moving into Georgia and California moving uh, into Georgia and all these black people. That's a oasis of Democratic Party votes. And the transaction is over the day after the election. So on election day, uh, they get you to go and they'll do anything. The day before the election, they'll promise you anything. And then the day after the election, the transaction is over. You're done. You've empowered a lot of people who will not be responsive to your needs any longer. And that's what we keep doing over and over and over again. And I just, you know, just wonder what will it take to stop it, because I've literally done everything I could, in, including writing four books. <laughs> um, it's a quandary to me. And so now if other people can come up with some ideas that we can do, it, of course, it, the, the job is bigger than one person. So we all have to act as community. Mm -hmm. And um if you can come up with some ideas in which I can participate, I'm ready to be there. I will be there. I know that you will. Dr. McKinney, before you leave us, um, some of your articles and even your latest article, uh, can you email them to me? I'll put them on the Time for Awakening website. Okay, I surely will. Um, I've got uh, something that's a little less... Um, uh, time less uh, about India's annexation of Kashmir, but you know that's one of those global flashpoints that any moment we could see something bad happening, and uh, we need to understand just exactly what's going on. So I'll send both of those. I'll send Purple Revolution, Good. which directly deals with internal U.S. But then I'll also deal uh, uh, send you that uh, annexation, the Kashmir piece, because for people who are interested in that part of the world, um, there's lots of interesting things that are happening in Central to South Asia that uh, we need to know about because they could be flashpoints. I know it. And, and we see that uh, the United States is, uh, quote unquote, pulling out of Afghanistan. And if you know the United States and the track record of Western governments, if they're pulling out of Af Afghanistan, they're planning to go somewhere else. 
<laughs> That's right. And they're leaving some mercenaries behind. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Dr. McKinney, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for being okay, with us. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Bye bye. And thank you to all of the callers. We'll be right back to wind things down. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. No. 
know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. See, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this 
powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand. Then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank our guest that was with us this evening, activist and author, former congresswoman, Dr. Cynthia McKinney. Richard. Yes. I mean, interesting conversation, and she kind of went all over the place, which was good. And a lot of the callers brought up excellent questions and made excellent comments, all of them. Um, you know, I, I just love the information that was shared this evening. And it just it just shows the, the importance of having information to our people and putting it out there in the marketplace of ideas so our people can see what's going on. And they can weigh it. That way they can choose if they want to believe whatever they want to believe. You'll have information. That's, uh, that's that's what we're here for. That's what we need to be doing, as she said. You know, thinking critically, and 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 you know, some people say, um, you know, connect the dots. Um, others say, you know, looking at it from a systemic perspective. But most importantly, you know, what are we not doing that we need to be doing in relationship to um, giving us the power we need, the organizational effort we need to um, stop what is being done to us. 